Hey, Vanderbilt fans, welcome to our new podcast, Breaking Down the Doors. I'm Joe Rexo, Tennessee Sports Commons, here with our Vanderbilt beat writer, Adam Sparks. Excited about this podcast, Adam. We are going to be talking Vanderbilt weekly on this thing. This is a pretty good week to get it going. So let, let's just not waste any time here. Two big things. First of all, Vanderbilt football plays Notre Dame. 2-0 Vanderbilt, 2-0 Notre Dame. We're going to get into that later. But first, huge news this week, Adam. David Williams resigning. He will stay on as a law professor at Vanderbilt, but he is resigning as athletic director. Sort of a thing that yeah, we've heard was probably coming for a while. According to him, he actually wanted to do it this summer, was talked into staying by Nick Zeppos. Your reaction to that and to what's ahead? Well, you know, we I've heard ever since I got on the beat in 2014, the first week I started, it was, hey, David Williams may be resigning. That was four years ago. So we, we've held off this podcast, the premiere, <laughs> until it happened, and it finally happened this week. Before we analyze the, the re- resignation, let me just, a little, little cranky today, let me just let me just be a little critical of when they did this. David Williams came out and said, you know, they wanted to make this announcement today. I don't know who they is. I guess Nick Zeppos, his office administration. Um, he apologized for doing it. I can only imagine, number one, media relations department over at the athletic department did not know the announcement was going to happen. They found out not long before we did, the, everybody else did. But I can only imagine the PR department over that, that side said, is, is anything happening on September 11th? No? Okay, we'll make the announcement that day. By the way, does the football team usually do anything? They don't have a press conference or anything that day. And who's the team playing this week? Somebody named Notre Dame. No, so, yeah, let's do it on a Tuesday. I mean, it, it made no sense at all why they did this now in the middle of September. But that aside... You are a little cranky. Yeah. It was just... It was so... It made no sense. It's sm- smart David pe- Williams did apologize for that. He so. did. But smart people doing dumb things. That's that's sometimes what you get at Vanderbilt. All that aside, David Williams, I thought it was a good balance. Uh, he presented it this way. I think we both wrote about this, is that there's some good things that he did at Vanderbilt, and there's some things he fell short on. And I think a lot of the reaction I've gotten in the last... 48, 24, 48 hours is to take one of the two extremes. You know, oh, it's awful that he's gone. He was the best thing ever that happened there. Or thank goodness he's done. And I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. You know, he teared up when he talked about bringing Perry Wallace back. I know a lot of the student athletes had a lot of respect for him. He did a lot of things in terms of in, uh, inclusion and diversity that Vanderbilt has really pushed. He's made some good, very good coaching hires. Um, he fell short in fundraising. He fell short in a lot of those outward things. The community, the next AD has to mimic what he did best, but then also bring in those things he did not quite do as well. Now, David himself, he talked, of course, he liked about his tenure. I thought it was a a revealing and a pretty raw presser from him, which, of course, took place right after the football press conference. He did talk also about what his successor will encounter. So I would say the academics, making sure you understand that. And, and, and let me say something about that piece. I think that you work both sides of the, the aisle on that one, if you like. You got to make people around this university understand that academic success and athletic success is not mutually exclusive. You can have both of them. And, and you then have to go out and prove it. You know, the interesting thing, Adam, about the whole thing with Vanderbilt Athletics, and I wrote this, you know, there's some things that he said 
that like you couldn't say anywhere else, certainly in the SEC. Like he, he's talking about how, you know, pro and college sports are different. And I, I t- that quote stood out to me because I, I was sitting there thinking, you know, any other athletic director in this league tries to say that. And it's like, get out of the room. Are you kidding me? But, you know, that is the difference for Vanderbilt. And I think when you look at David Williams' tenure, it kind of is how you want to look at it. If you look at it in the way that we typically look at college sports, which is more like it's pro sports because it basically is pro sports then heavy focus will be on the football stadium didn't get done. The football program isn't competing as well as it should. Um, You know, there are other private institutions that have better football programs, so good riddance. If you look at it more globally, you know, then, I mean, I I think it's way more pluses than minuses from what we know about his tenure. And like you said, I mean, I think there's some genuine relationships that kind of came out there yesterday too. So it kind of – Depends on how you how you view Vanderbilt Athletics. I think from the straight up sports fan, Vanderbilt fan perspective, you know, of course, so much has been made of the fundraising issues and of the football facilities issues. Although, to be fair, there two things. First of all, he hired the most successful coach of the last what century plus. He also did get a practice facility. Although, I guess you could say James Franklin. Was sure. a big part of that, but still, it's on David Williams' watch. So it's not like nothing was done for. Football. He was the AD for ninety something percent of Tim Corbin's tenure. So the national title came in there, and they're close. I mean, that yeah, you know, and I, it probably, Tim Corbin could have left many times, and if he didn't like his boss, he probably would have left. For yeah. example, I mean, it, a lot of non-revenue sports hires: Scott Limbaugh and men's golf. That's a top ten program right now. Women's bowling won two national titles. That was John Williamson. That was his hire. They've had a lot of success in the non-revenue sports. For and, national- and Bryce Drew's about to win. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, and that's his. I'd be hire. surprised, if, and that's his hire. So, but but you know, I think what what we how we look at David highlights how the next AD. You know, there's. We can we can interpret a lot in the type of AD that they bring in. Are they going to be a professorial type? You know, a is this next AD going to come in and need to be the type that David is? He's a law professor. He teaches law class every Wednesday. He's also a vice chancellor. He does a lot of things on campus that have nothing to do with athletics. Yeah, he had like three jobs. Some people yeah. don't realize that. Yeah. And I don't think you have to do that, but there's some at Vanderbilt that think that's the way it needs to be done. Um, some AD candidates will come in with with an acad- high academics background and will say, I fit here, and this, I, I want to do it in a similar way to that. Um, if you want to push things forward, you're probably going to look for somebody who doesn't want to do those types of things. So number one, the candidate pool, where are they going to pull from? Number two, once they get them in, what are they really looking forward to? Somebody that will rock the boat a little bit and push them forward or somebody that will blend in? I tend to think it will be the latter, and that's not – necessarily a bad thing but it could be you know and i mean we listed some uh, full disclosure we don't know who the next ad is but you can you can put together a list which we did and you've got you know brad bates is a former vanderbilt uh, administrator he was about he was the ad at boston college he now works for a, a consulting firm under todd turner the former ad at vandy you could go in the past that way a familiarity type guy you could get greg christopher who is the xavier ad or at least you could try you could uh you could go and get uh the villanova ad mark jackson make a run at him or you could go you know joe carlgard who's the rice ad would be somebody i would think they would look at he's a guy in his lower 40s he's a stanford alum he worked as an associate ad for years at stanford kind of an up-and-comer. He was a candidate for the Virginia job, for the Southern Cal job, I think. So that, that that's a guy that could come in and fit, 
but then also have some new ideas. I think the thing we have to bring into this is that the candidates are going to come in with their own questions. You know, what's expected of me in fundraising? Can I get that done here? They're going to read the stories that you and I write and others and say, it looks like there's some pushback on the university side. How is that going to be handled here? Is that is that for real? And they'll be told, no, none of that happens here. And they'll have to, you know, discern well, whether that's yeah. the case or not. And I think if you're hiring a new AD, the new AD has to come in and say, this is my plan for the football stadium. Because that first press conference with us, they can't come in and ask, what are you going to do about the football stadium? And they say, eh, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. That's, that's a terrible answer. They're going to have to have at least some plan they would like to implement. And Vandy is going to have to make the promise to say, yeah, we'll, we'll go with that. We'll be behind you on that. Yeah, and my whole thing, it's its really not as in-depth as what you just broke down, but I, I just think an external candidate is really important here. All due respect to any internal candidates, but to me, Vanderbilt really needs something new there, a new dynamic, and that's where, you know, does Nick Zeppos want that? You know, I don't know, but I think you can find fit. I mean, you just detailed some candidates that, that seem to fit. I think well, you can find fit outside the current regime, and to me it's not – I mean, it's pretty much – here and there you'll have the successor situation in college athletics, but for the most part, the, these jobs like this, Power 5 athletic jobs, involve national searches because they should, because – why would you limit yourself? So, well, I, th- I think they should use a search firm and for an AD more than you should a coach. A coach you can call around and say, you can look at the record, here's how many wins, losses, here's who they beat, here's who they lost to. You can call the coaches, how, do you, how they to work with you. And AD, there's so much nuance in the job. I think you have to have a search firm. If they go internally, it's, it's Candace Story Lee, former basketball player there, was a team captain, three-time graduate, has the resume to do it. She's the number two under David right now. It doesn't say anything about Candace if she were to get the job, but it would tell me a lot about the administration and the board of trust if she got the job, because that would be them saying we're we're very comfortable with David and we would be comfortable with Candace, and that you know that didn't say anything about her, but it it could about where they want to go, and it would say they don't want any change and they don't want any rocking of the boat. Who's driving this search? I think John Ingram is going to have to now. You know. The MLS thing, I, I mean, he's got he can he can do both. He can he's multitask. A busy guy. Yeah, but when you have the MLS thing going, he he's he's going to have to balance that with this. Nick Zeppos obviously is going to have a heavy hand in it. But you know, when they hired Bryce Drew, it was David Williams in the room, Nick Zeppos in the room, and uh, John Ingram in the room, and. David will probably still be in the room for this. He'll he'll at least get a look at the candidates. He's not going to be able to give them too much input. But, you know, I think it's going to be the same ones in the room there. So I don't think anybody necessarily is going to say, I want this person, absolutely. But John Ingram is going to sign off on it. I feel pretty confident saying that. You mentioned skepticism, and I think that – and that's what's interesting because Dan Walken, you know, USA Today columnist, Vanderbilt grad, immediately took to Twitter – and said, hey, this is one of the most, you know, I, I, I'm paraphrasing, but it's a coveted job. And I've heard the same thing from athletic directors. This is a job, there's there's a lot to like about it. Well, for one thing, people like Nashville, but it's it's an SEC job. People like to work at a place that has priorities. People like to work at a place where the pressure isn't overwhelming, which is just like any other SEC school. I mean, you've got to win in football or else you're going to eventually be replaced and maybe not 
too far down the road. So all those things are attractive, but again, it's that whole, like, am I going to have autonomy to do things? Can I implement a new marketing plan so we can actually market this football team to a city that we, we should be pulling in more people to games? I mean, can I do this in fundraising? Can you know What can we do? I mean, facilities, of course, all that stuff. That's going to be... I mean that's the big question, right? That, that's why I think it's reasonable to 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 believe that the initial candidate pool will be very strong. I want to see after that goes through a couple of filters how strong it is. It may it, it probably is still going to be strong, but initially people will look at just the bullet points of this job and say, okay, the last AD made one point one million dollars. Now that's also as vice chancellor. I don't know, if, but you're still you're going to make really good money. You're going to be in the SEC. All the things that you just listed. You'll live in Nashville. That's attractive to almost any AD. Uh, most ADs are already at a school, but then you get to the second level and they start to do more homework into it. And it looks like there's some friction on campus and in the stadium issue and all these things that could potentially scare some away. Won't everybody, but I think you're going to have to, you know, there's going to be a line of demarcation of the ones that initially think this is a great job between that and the ones that that know despite maybe the, some of the hindrances that they really, really want the job. And Van, that's probably good for Vandy too because, you know, David Williams said fit in the press conference. It's I think there's a very narrow pool that would work at Vanderbilt. Right. Well, we're going to be tracking this, of course, and we'll we'll, and we'll have weeks and weeks of talking about this. But let, let's get to actual football because it's a big week, Adam. And, of course, last year came to mind for me the other day when they, they beat Nevada. They look really good. They're undefeated. They you know, A year ago, they were 3-0, and beat Kansas State in kind of an epic defensive struggle. And you're like, man, this team could really have something going. Alabama came in. Everybody knows what happened. So here we sort of are again. They're going to Notre Dame. Now, of course, one thing here with with the whole thing is the mystique of Notre Dame. And, of course, Derek Mason kind of addressed that this week, too, bringing his team to South Bend and all the, you know, all the surroundings involved in a game like this. First of all, it's a great place for college football. Um, you know, a lot of history, uh, you know, around that stadium. You know, you, 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 you know, Ghost of the Four Horsemen, Newt Rockney. I mean, there, there, there's just a lot of history at that place. And so with that being said, um, it, it's, it's a great venue. It's a great campus. Um, to me, you know, I mean, going there and seeing it for the first time, I think I went there twice, but seeing it for the first time, uh, it, it was good we got there early, had a chance to, you know, see touchdown Jesus and all those things, and then we got to play on Saturday. So, for me, when you get between the white lines, it's just a football field. It's 53 and a third, you know, uh, 100 yards long, and what you get a chance to do is play ball. So, I, I mean, I know, Adam, how you feel about this, but first of all, I'm excited for you and for our boss, Dave Ammenhauser, covering this game because this is going to be your guys' first time going to, to yep. Notre Dame Stadium. That's a great place. It's an awesome place. But it's also like when from the Vanderbilt perspective, when they're on that field, I, I don't think it's at all imposing. For one thing, it's 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 really not that loud, and it's kind of like the bowl thing, and the, the noise just escapes. And also, it's just, and even without that, it's just it's it's a great historic atmosphere, but it's not a place that I think is intimidating. And and, and these players, I mean, they've been to the the absolute cream of the crop in terms of 
you know, hostile environment. So from that perspective, I don't think that's much of a factor, if any factor in this game. Well, and, and on the field, yeah, once you get over all, all those different things, and a lot of these guys understand what Notre Dame is historically. Some don't. The last time that Vandy and Notre Dame played was 96. I think there's like five or six players that were alive, <laughs> the current Vandy, Vandy players. But yeah, so yeah, they played in louder places. They played better teams. You know, Notre Dame's ranked number eight since Vandy last played Notre Dame in 96. When Notre Dame was number six, Vandy has played 27 teams that are in the top 10 because he played, you know, one, two, three a year in the SEC. So that's kind of old hat for them. You know, they're, they're, can, there's starting to be a few believers in Vanderbilt that this year is not what last year was, which was start great and then just fall off a cliff. You know, if USA Today had their bowl picks, their first version of their bowl picks that came out, I think, today or yesterday. Van, they got Vandy going to the Music City Bowl. I know this is a team that most people pick to go about four and eight in the preseason. Uh, by the way, the Vols, they have staying home. So there are people that are starting to buy into Vandy. Now, if they go to Notre Dame and lose by four touchdowns, that belief will evaporate in a second. If they go up there and they're competitive, I think there'll still be quite a belief. I, I will say I have this I have this thought that I've seen this before, kind of what you mentioned before, but this team does look different. Take the fact that these are similar games to what they started off with last year. They were really good against Middle Tennessee, and they weren't great against Nevada and still won that game by 31. And you know, they could have spotted Nevada three touchdowns and had no problem winning that game. I see Kyle Shermer is a notch better. The running game is good enough so far. We'll see how it matches up against a more physical front at Notre Dame. Kalaja Lipscomb is the best receiver they've had maybe since Jordan Matthews. And we'll see how he matches up also Notre Dame and SEC play. But the defense is the biggest difference. Two years ago when they were a bowl team, the defense was among the top maybe three in the SEC. They may be in that conversation this year, maybe not top three, but they could show that in this Notre Dame game that they're that good, or at least in that class. They're a lot deeper. They have a lot more pass rushers, a lot more dynamic guys. They have guys with roles on this defense, and I think that's the difference. You know, Josh Smith, outside linebacker, had a really good game this past week. Charles Wright was their best pass rusher coming in. Those are your two starting outside linebackers. Kenny Bear, who's just a sophomore, is brought in on third down as has – uh, four sacks, like five TFLs, strip sack. He's pushing you know. Josh Smith a little bit. Yeah, young yeah. guy coming up. So they have guys that can come in and give them twenty snaps in a game and make a difference in the game. They didn't have that last year. I think that's the big difference in the defense. Well, obviously Jason Tarver. I mean, the players. I mean, we've heard it several times from guys now that you know. What did Charles Rett say? Mad scientist again this week. I mean, you know that he's he's come up with some things that you know that have helped them, and of course that frees up Derek Mason to do more head coach stuff. I mean, I still think this comes down to obviously they can handle the type of offense they saw the last two weeks. They did a great job against it. They have playmakers. I mean, Jawan Williams, that was a terrific read and zone coverage and recovery to get that diving pick. Um, Ladarius Wiley back out there. He's, he's flirting with t- other targeting calls and needs to, you know, be careful. But he's, I mean, he's a punishing safety who knows where to go. There's a lot to like. I still just I want to see him against physicality, against a running game that can actually challenge him. The last two teams had really had little interest and did not have the personnel to try to push them around. And Notre Dame will absolutely look to push them around. So yep. that's 
I mean, that's that's to me this game both sides. It's the line of scrimmage is where Vanderbilt you know, against these top SEC teams. That's where you I think see the biggest difference. Yeah, and I feel and, like Notre Dame's going to test that out really early. No question. I mean, and and you know the thing with Notre Dame is if you can play physical and you get your run fits right and you know you 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 gamble and it doesn't hurt you enough when you bring those safeties up. I mean, if you can put Brandon Wimbush in obvious passing downs, I, I don't trust him still as a passer. He had a big first week against Michigan. He threw up a couple 50-50 balls that Notre Dame receivers came down with, but he's still not a guy that's going to go out there and carve up a defense with his arm. He's a very good runner. He's a big play guy. But if you can get him in third and seven, you know, then if you're Van Dam, I mean, you really have a chance here to – get enough stops. On the other side of the ball, if you tell me, Adam, that Kyle Shermer, Kalijah Lipscomb, Jared Pinckney, and Keyshawn Vaughn are all going to be playing on Sundays, I would not argue with you right now. I don't know if they all will, but I, you know, I, I, Pinckney I do think absolutely. I mean, he's top of my list of who's going to be in the NFL on this team. Those guys can score and make plays on any team on this schedule. Again, as the offensive line – give them the opportunity in this game they've got to be they got to play a clean really sharp game here well on that on that side of the ball you've got to yeah you've got to have a good game out of all four of those guys I think offensively it's going to come down to the two or three shots that Vandy has did they capitalize on them because one thing I did see in the first two games is you know they would run 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 there would be enough people committed to stopping the run from the opposition they would have a deep ball there off play action and they wouldn't hit it they hit one against Don, with Donovan Tennyson. That's a guy that can that can stretch a defense. They missed another with C.J. Bowler in the first game, a freshman. They'll try to take their shots with Chris Pierce, who's a bigger receiver, who hasn't played that much. He has, I think, two, two or three catches right now. They're going to have those chances outside of Lipscomb and Pinckney, and they've got to hit those in this game. Uh, they're not going to have many opportunities, but they will have some. On the flip side of that, I think Jason Tarver and Derek Mason watched that Ball State game last week where Notre Dame won by eight, Wimbush threw three interceptions, and you know, you're know you looking for one weakness in a team that that's, that's, that's a top-ten team and say you have to exploit that weakness. Brandon Wimbush, I think they feel like, is that weakness. Again, he could play great like he did against Michigan, but that's something I think that they look at. And they know they have a pass rush. They know they can create turnovers. They're seventh in the country in that right now, and that's what they have to exploit. They have to put him, like you said, in third and long. They have to put some people in his face, and they just have to you know get their hands on the ball. They feel like in the first two games they can do that, uh, if Wimbush plays poorly, they can be in this game. If Kyle Shermer doesn't turn it over, which he hasn't yet, they can be in this game. If they can run the ball, they can be in this game. The run the ball is is a is a question for me though. It's a big question. They've got they're probably gonna have to scheme up some stuff, you know, some jet sweeps and things. But but no, it is a big question. And, which, I, and I don't know I, and because Notre Dame is they've got guys up front. Because you know, even against Middle Tennessee, they ran for about one eighty, one ninety, but. They should have run for 250 in that game. You know, there was too many of these one and two yard carries in that game against Middle Tennessee. You know, Notre Dame, they're going to have to run the ball well. And which running back do you put in which place? It's great to have depth and to have three running backs, but it's really good to challenge Andy Ludwig, the offensive coordinator, to know when to use which. Kari Blassen game is a north south guy. He can, that, get, he can get you three yards when there's right, one. Right. So that's you know, uh, helpful. Keyshawn Vaughn is a guy that if he's got the rust shaken off, I think there's still a little rust there, but he's a guy that could 
you know, get one right step and bust one for 60 yards. Wakefield can do that too. Wakefield hasn't played as much. Wakefield is the guy maybe that could fumble the ball too in that atmosphere. He has he did a little bit last year. But you've got to you got to pick your poison there. Do you grind it out with a blasting game or do you say this this play needs to be this guy to hit this home run? I think it's a really big challenge on how they use that personnel. And through the first two games, they've mostly went all with one guy pulled him out, all with another guy, pulled him yeah, out. Yeah, it's like your, your series, now it's yeah. your series. Now. They yeah. mixed up a little this last game. They used Vaughn and Blasson game together, and then they used Blasson game and Wakefield together. Vaughn got about half the half the reps, but yeah. I, do you mix it up with those guys, or do you, do you try to get a guy in a rhythm? I think that's another big question for Ludwig to answer. Yeah, I mean, bottom line, huge challenge for him to scheme up, figure out a way to get some run, run game, because – we were talking about putting Wimbush in third and long. If Kyle Shermer's in third and long all day, it's not ideal either. I think they are going to do some short passing to loosen things up a little bit, get Shermer some confidence, and you know try to stay you know stay on target that way. But at some point, you've got to figure a way to run it. And I feel like it. this is a game where Shermer can say all he wants to about whoever's open. That's him. I'll throw it to and all that. I'll go through my progressions. I think this is a game where his eyes are glued to Kalaja Lipscomb, for better or worse. Maybe for better, because I feel like this is one of those, if you've got to target Lipscomb 20 times, you just do it. And and forget trying to throw to the new freshman or whoever. Now that can work on the opposite side. Notre Dame knows that too, and they can cover a whole lot better than Nevada or Middle Tennessee. So it's it's a big game for Shermer. It's an NBC national broadcast. I know almost every game is a national TV game now with an SEC network and all that. But I do feel like this is a stage where a guy who may be a sixth-round pick or maybe a third-round pick can distinguish himself one way or the other if he can go to Notre Dame and play well. No question. All right, let's have our picks. We'll start with you. Um, I'm trying to think what I put in the paper. Uh, <laughs> Notre Dame 31, uh, Vandy 23. So I'm saying there that Vandy is going to score, and they're going to score some, but they're going to end a lot of drives with field goals rather than uh, that's what two touchdowns and three field goals. So what what I feel like just saying that is I think they hang around, I think they look competitive, um, I just don't think they have enough to finish it. So I think the line is about 14. I think they cover, but they lose. Yeah, I'm about the same with you. 30 to 20 Notre Dame. I. I will really be surprised, and I'll be disappointed in Vanderbilt if this gets out of hand and it's just a runaway blood. I don't think it should be. You know, I think if Vanderbilt plays the way it can play and doesn't make the critical mistake, it can be in this game. And then it needs Notre Dame to make a couple critical mistakes for something really interesting to happen, which I do not think is out of the realm of possibility. But I'll, I'll go with Notre Dame by 10. I just think ultimately at the line of scrimmage, there's a there's a pretty significant disparity still between these teams. And if Vandy wins, they're as high as can be coming back to Nashville. If they lose in the way that we're saying by eight, ten, whatever, they've got South Carolina for their for their SEC opener the following week. I think they would have all the confidence in the world if they could hang with Notre Dame and still lose uh, playing South Carolina because South Carolina is. They got blown out by. They've Georgia. got their own confidence yeah. to recover right that's now. A, that's a beatable team. That's a beatable team if you can play well. No doubt. So there you have it. That's the first episode of Breaking Down the Doors. I'm Joe Rexhold. He's Adam Sparks. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week to talk about Notre Dame and look ahead to South Carolina. <laughs>